lifetimes of listening. One of my earliest musical memories was when I was in the sixth grade. Well, I grew up with music. My dad and I would listen to CDs when I was like a little baby all the time. I toured with Ray Charles for about seven months. The moment I heard Billy Martin playing drums, I was like, what is going on here? I have to figure out how to play like this. Dover, Delaware in the 1950s, and my father, my father could make music. Lifetimes of Listening. This is Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast. It's an outgrowth of a project called the Arizona Musical Memory Archive. I'm Dan Cruz. And I'm Brian Moon. So what is this project? Well, here's a brief example of what this is all about. You know, there's a lot of musical memories I have. One of the most poignant for me is definitely when I would go camping up north in Arizona, northern Arizona, and we would turn on a lot of R&B. Well, that's just a small sample, an excerpt from an interview about an individual's musical memories, and you'll hear more from that particular interview later in this podcast. We've conducted interviews so far with a couple dozen people, and a big part of what this project is all about is sharing those interviews with you. We began having these conversations over a decade ago, mostly with students in our classes, and we have um, been really moved by how important musical memories are in people's lives, both college-age, traditional college-age student and, and people that are, that are significantly older. Um, this has given us insight into how musical memories shape people's lives and shape their experience of music. And so our aim is to document, record, archive, and study these musical memories that are such an important part of people's lives. As you know, Brian, it's an area of scholarly study that's become really important in recent years, in recent decades, as evidenced by the research and writings of people like, well, for one, the late Oliver Sacks. And I recall when you gave me his book, Music of Philia, which really helped me to understand the relevance of musical experience in people's lives. Authors like Dan Levitin and others as well, they've looked at musical memories from a lot of uh, perspectives, cognitively, emotionally, socially, and culturally. So in each podcast now, what we're going to do is share several participants' stories, several interviews we've conducted, and then we'll reflect on what connects those. Uh, There may be a theme, a quality of the music, a quality of the musical experience or event, perhaps a shared musical tradition, or some other aspect of the human experience of music. Today's theme, this episode's theme, is music and family. We're going to hear and reflect upon three moving accounts of musical memories related to family in a few moments. Uh, These interviews that we have conducted and, and these discussions that we've had often focus and center family, regardless of age. These early memories of how music shapes a connection to a group of people, the, uh, an individual's uh, core group, their, their family, becomes so central to them in later years. I'm Brian Moon, an associate professor of practice at the University of Arizona, where I'm also a coordinator for music and general education in the Fred Fox School of Music. And I'm Dan Cruz. I'm a graduate in ethnomusicology from the University of Arizona Fred Fox School of Music. Both Brian and I are here in Tucson, Arizona, by the way, and as we mentioned, affiliated with the University of Arizona. So we're glad you're here. Welcome to Lifetimes of Listening the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast.
So what is a musical memory? Dan and I are going to share some musical memories now to uh, give you an example of the kinds of things that we've collected through interviews and through icebreakers and through student projects over the last uh, decade or so. Today's theme is family, and I'm going to share uh, an experience that I had when I was six or seven years old that's in many ways shaped my life even to this day that is tied in with me very much to with my father. So my dad disliked popular music. He apparently uh, said when I was a baby and I was happy, he would play classical and jazz music. And when I was sad, he would turn on the pop radio station. Um, and uh, so uh, he was very, very adamant about uh, about classical and jazz. But for whatever reason, he had purchased the album um, that had Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence on it, on LP. And when I was six or seven years old, I remember enjoying that album and asking him to play it over and over again on, on record. And, and it was uh, such a strong memory of, of playing that. And the reason it affects me to this day is because um, I asked for a guitar that Christmas and I began playing guitar around then and have played guitar on and off my entire life. And um, that sort of close vocal, uh, close vocal harmony singing style is is something that I find uh, really enjoyable even to this very day. And so um, Simon and Garfunkel, Sound of Silence, my dad, LPs, guitar, all tie together and all come back. So thanks to your dad, you have an even greater appreciation of pop music and its harmonic <laughs> yes, qualities. Exactly. It's what it yeah. sounds like to me. So um, yeah. Dan, uh, what about you? Well, I've got a I've got a musical memory that's very very important for me, and it's and it's family related. When I was uh, 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 when I was a young a young kid in school, I was in the uh, in the high school concert band in Jennings, Missouri. That's a suburb of St. Louis in North St. Louis County. And so our and this is something I had dreamed of all my childhood was being in the concert band in the high school. So I was in the concert band in the percussion section. I was second chair percussionist in the Jennings High School concert band in the late 60s. And uh, we had, you know, we'd have four or five concerts a year, a holiday concert, a fall concert, a spring concert, so forth and so on. And my dearest memory of these concerts is not just the music itself, not just performing with all my high school friends and buddies and being the percussionist that I so loved being. But the fact that at the end of the concerts, more often than not, when the audience would acknowledge the performance of all these high school kids, more often than not, who started the uh, standing ovation? I'd look out there, and there would be my dad, the first one to stand up and say, come on, folks, let's let these kids know what a great job they've done for us in performing this evening. A very uh, wonderfully moving moment for me every time that occurred to know how much my dad appreciated the music that we played and how much he wanted to encourage me to uh, continue pursuing music uh, as a young boy. So that's my family story, and it's always stuck with me for, what, 40, 50, 50 odd years it's, now. It's amazing how powerful music and family can become tied up um, and how it can shape us years and years later. 
Yeah. So, Brian, let's share some of the stories that we've gathered, musical memories from uh, people we've interviewed. We've got several of these in our archive, and they're on our project website. So we're going to provide a brief uh, intro to each one, and then listen to each of those with you, and then offer some reflections and observations. Brian, what's the first one? It's um, from a student of mine, Jose, Josue Chavez, who took a jazz history class from me in the spring of 2020, and he was one of the many students that transitioned from the collaboratively taught in-person class um, to the best that we could all figure out how to do in a Zoom live online setting. And, um, and uh, that's a, uh, I'm, I'm linked to those students in a really powerful way <laughs> because of the, the experience of that that we all went through. But I was very grateful that he shared with us this story. So let's listen to My Evening with Lila Downs. I went to a concert by an artist uh, by the name of Lila Downs, and I was just captivated by her voice, by, by the way a person can move through lyrics like that beautifully. I went with family, yes, we went to, it was kind of a spontaneous event. We're like, let's just go see her, you know? We're in Mexico, we were in Mexico uh, at that time. A very lively atmosphere, you know, uh, the, the tradition, the culture, the Mexican culture is very, very rich, very colorful. And you had all these mariachis performing before. So she came in with this beautiful gown, beautiful makeup. And when she got to the microphone, you just kind of felt it. You were like, wow, this woman has a gift. <laughs> but seeing someone perform and, and have a voice like her, he was just incredible. And she was basically saying to the people, you know, to stand up for what is right. And so that kind of, it has an effect on the audience where you like, yeah, she's right, you know, in many ways that there are plenty of things that are going wrong, but, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Anyone can just get up on a stage and just talk and talk and talk and talk, but few people can turn that speech into a melody that makes sense. And that was her. We have never seen someone deliver that. It wasn't superficial or anything like that. I can I can still play like the beginning to the end. What happened? Wow, that I mean that's that story to me really captures the power of music and um, and and this one performance that 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 <laughs> it's such a great story. Yeah, Josue's uh, recounting of that story of uh, seeing the Lila Downs concert with his family. It's, uh, it's not only a, a powerful family memory, it's a cultural reflection on his part. It's, uh, it's an examination of the power of musical lyrics and the power of a powerful person on stage inspiring the audience to, uh, you know, to think in very high-level terms. So it's really a, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful memory that Josue shared yeah, I'm, with us. I'm, I'm grateful. And it's stories like that that really make this make me so engaged in this project and, and the idea of collecting these musical memories and, and making them accessible to others. Well, we've got another here. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, interview a woman named Laurel. She's a retired college instructor, a grandmother, and a member of an intentional community. And Laurel shared with me uh, a, a wonderful childhood memory that relates to her family, which I've titled, My Father's Musical Gift to Me. Dover, Delaware, in the 1950s. My father had been trained as a classical pianist and organist. He played everything from Bach to Boogie Woogie. He really loved playing the keyboards. On Wednesday evenings, my dad would say to me, and just to me, Hey, Laurie, you want to come down to the church while I practice the hymns for Sunday? He was always the 
church organist because he could play better than anybody in town. And this church in Delaware had a big pipe organ. All of these big bronze pipes in ranks, in rows, mounting high almost to the sky, it seemed, up there in the front of the church. And my father, my father, could make music. After he finished running through the hymns, just so that he was familiar with them for the Sunday service, and then he'd start playing the music he truly loved. Da-da-dum! Da-da-da-da-dum! Bum! My whole body vibrating with the music, and the, and, the, and the sound filled the air, and words failed me. It was like I was the music, but I, I, I was also disappearing. The line between my father and God got blurred. <laughs> I loved it. Wednesday nights were the absolute pinnacle. But every Wednesday for I don't know how many months, it might have been many, many, he would say, hey, Laurie, you want to come down to the church with me while I practice the hymns? And I would light up, and I would go with him. Well, Laurel's story is, uh, for me, a particularly inspiring one. The, the combination of that physical space that she's in with her dad, who's got to do his uh, church organ rehearsing practice on Wednesday nights, and he gets the, he gets the business out of the way, the church uh, hymns, he's practiced all of those, and then shares the music that's really in his heart with his little eight-year-old daughter, Laurel, Really a beautiful and powerful memory. And I think that has stuck with Laurel, uh, you know, <laughs> in very vivid terms all these years, as musical memories often do, right? When we hear music that takes us back to a certain uh, memory in our, in our youth, in our childhood, whatever, it's as vivid as anything. And the way that she describes that whole experience to me is, is particularly powerful. I really enjoy it. I, the, uh, the physicality of the organ and the, and the shaking of the organ and, and um, you know, I've, I've experienced that. I've been fortunate enough to experience that on uh, numerous occasions. Um, and and the, uh, uh, the way that that's bringing back you know, bringing back a sensation into her, a, a physical sensation into her body, that's, that's powerful. That, there, how, how music facilitates memory in these ways just fascinates yeah, me. Yeah, just wonderful. So we've got one more to share with us. Brian, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, uh, this is a story uh, from Jacob Acosta, who's a Tucson-based musician and teacher. He's released dozens of EPs and LPs from various groups, and he has different groups and projects because he likes to uh, record and release music in styles that range from folk to indie pop to blues rock. And But through them all, it's really his songwriting and his inventive uh, arranging that create really memorable and identifiably Tucsonan music. I'm I'm uh, really enjoy his music, and I'm grateful that uh, he shared the story with us. You know, there's a lot of musical memories I have. One of the most poignant for me is definitely when I would go camping up north in Arizona, northern Arizona, probably from ages eight to fifteen, sixteen years old. So that was a big span of years for me in my development. A lot of times I would camp with my family, uh, and we would turn on a lot of R&B, you know. It was smooth, it was funky, you could kind of just leave it in the background and do whatever you're going to do, whether you were building the tent or playing a card game or, you know, just making a fire. Maybe uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On in the Background, you know, with that beautiful saxophone and building a fire out of mesquite slowly, you know, listening to it crackle, kind of really almost being like the soloist, uh you know, in, in the whole experience while the music is actually the background, going down to the creek and doing some creek fishing for a few hours. 
just listening to music like that. Theo, my uncle, um, my my mother, my nana, my grandmother, right? Um, and uh, yeah, like my siblings, I have a I had a little brother. But a lot of the time, it was hop R and B, right? Um, they really liked that style of music, and uh, so I, I kind of just ended up associating that a lot with like being comfortable, having being outdoors. I guess if it was to connect to my youth, it's careful, it's precise, it's thought out, it's uh, engaging because it feels genuine. It doesn't feel forced or, I guess, canned. We enjoy having that soundtrack to our lives, something that's there. You know, you can't always touch it, but you can hear it and feel it, and and that's kind of special. It's like the wind, right? It's this thing that you have around you all the time. The title of our project, Lifetimes of Listening, and this this podcast, it really does tie into what Jake was saying here, this this way that music becomes the soundtrack of our lives, this way that it ties us into moments in our past. And, and um, as Jake is saying here, for him, whenever he hears the soul and R&B of the 60s and 70s, that that ties in to his camping trips with his family and and extended family all gathering around and listening to this music. That's, That's so powerful. Now, in just a minute, we'll give you a preview of sorts of what to expect in future episodes of this podcast in terms of themes and the sorts of guests we'd like to have on. And we'll let you know how you can become directly involved in this research as well. Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Archive and Podcast. That's coming up. So what might this podcast look like down the road? Well, each episode is going to focus on a particular theme of some sort, like today's theme was family, and we'll include recorded musical memories that reflect on that theme. We're going to have some guests, too, that we have in mind who not only share their own musical memories, but also bring a wider, in many cases, a scholarly or musicological or other perspective on this particular aspect of the human relationship to music. Some examples, Brian, of future topics and guests. I'd like to speak to a neurologist just about how the brain remembers music or yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Or, or maybe bring in an ethnomusicologist that could help us understand how music creates rituals and those become cultural memories, those broader memories. Yeah, one thing I've wondered about, you know, as, as uh, connected with the School of Music is how does the act of memorizing long pieces of music change one's experience of listening to those pieces of music? A lot of our colleagues at the Fred Fox School of Music have done that, obviously, and we're curious to talk to some of them about, some of them about that, too. Uh, there's this connection and relationship between individual memories and the shared or collective memories of an entire group or population. That seems worth exploring. Right. Or um, uh, even uh, to make that richer, a psychologist might explore with us how music and feelings become so intertwined, that how the richness of those group experiences become so powerful in the individual. Um, maybe a music theorist could speak to us about musical rehearing and, and how memory um, affects music as you rehear it, tying back in a little bit to the, uh, the idea of performers performing and re-listening to music that they've memorized. Um, and a musical therapist or a clinical psychologist, we've talked about having someone like that in to talk to us about how musical memories could actually be 
you know, beneficial to a person. So lots of topics to explore, right? Right, right. There's there's so many ways to go. And, and we also hope that we can hear some more um, ways to explore this topic through you, our listeners. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can become involved in the Lifetimes of Listening Project. You can begin by visiting our website at musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu. That's Musical memories, all one word, lowercase.music.arizona.edu. And you can listen to some of the musical memories we've gathered and, and that you've heard today. You can listen to the longer versions, the unedited interviews um, of the ones that we played today. You could also submit musical memories of your very own through sound files or essays or poems or illustrations. You could recommend articles or videos or other resources, and, and we're looking forward to interacting with you. So when we hear from you through our uh, project website, we may just be in touch with you to conduct a one-on-one interview to include in a future podcast or in our Musical Memories archive. That website, again, is musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu. So that's it. Episode 1, Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast. I'm Dan Cruz. And I'm Brian Moon. And there's lots more to come on this topic of musical memories in future podcast episodes. Thanks so much for listening. The executive producer of Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast, is Brian Moon. The program is produced and edited by Dan Cruz. The Lifetimes of Listening website was created by Cynthia Barlow, Principal Information Technology Manager with the University of Arizona Fred Fox School of Music. Music is from zapsplat.com and from pixabay.com. Special thanks to the Fred Fox School of Music for hosting our website and UA Marketing and Communications for helping us launch this project, the archive, and this podcast series. For more information and to get involved in our research, visit musicalmemories.music.arizona.edu. This is Lifetimes of Listening, the Arizona Musical Memory Podcast. <laughs>